Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well That's done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could have edited that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I said all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? We are at the Words at Wagstaff Literary Event and I'm joined by Andrew Kwong, author of One Bright Moon and a number of anthologies. What do you love about literary events, Andrew? The physical contact, actually, the physical contact meeting the readers and um, often hear their reflection and their, and their opinions on my writing and my story and my books. and. Um, and meeting other authors and writers as well. So that's a very inspirational, kind of inspiring time. And I think connection is really important considering the 2020 that we had where not much physical contact was had. So is this, no. is this one of the first literary festivals you've been to since the pandemic? Well, I three weeks ago was down in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. So I was at oh, the that Adelaide festival. Yeah, that's great. Festival. Mm -hmm. And uh, before then, uh, no, no, no. The book came out last year, but we didn't have a, mm -hmm. a book launch or anything. Mm -hmm. no. Well, lucky books are timeless, so <laughs> readers can still get to them. And for listeners, it's hard to describe, but we're sitting right on the edge of this beautiful water near Pretty Beach um, at Wagstaff um, with a literary festival going on inside Wagstaff Hall. So I've never podcasted in such a beautiful spot, so it's... <laughs> It's yeah, lovely. We're, we're fortunate. It's also picked the best weather. We did. We did pick very nice weather. Just right. <laughs> now, your book, One Bright Moon, can you give us a bit of an elevator pitch as to what that book is about? One Bright Moon is it's a story of the time when I was uh, a primary school kid uh, in early days of the uh, People's Republic of China. And, um, and during that time, well, there was a huge or very, very tight um, sanction and embargo so, uh, against China as a result. And China couldn't trade with anyone and China's only friend was the big brother, Russia. Mm -hmm. 
and the little brother North Korea. So, so um, also after a hundred hundred year more of fighting and wars and invasions and civil wars, China was wretchedly poor, mm-hmm. and the population dwindled down to about four hundred million. So it was. Uh, trying time. Mm. So my book documents from a boy's through the boy's eye as he grew, grows up uh, during that period, things that happen basically directly to him and his family, mm-hmm. and um, and then gradually from there, then the awakening with the uh, help or with the um, care and love of the parents who were totally helpless uh, not that they don't want to help but it's just they just can't afford to there's nothing they can do about the situation because with my father being persecuted is that all right is yeah okay? yeah absolutely because with my father being persecuted as a counter-revolutionary um, all because of his good education mm-hmm. he didn't not do anything wrong, just that. And then uh, my mother, being also a tertiary educated person, rare in those days, and both of them were not uh, allocated jobs. And so, with family of four young kids, and life was tough. Mm, I imagine. I imagine it might have been a difficult story for you to write. Was it quite challenging at times, being a, a quite a personal story? Absolutely, absolutely difficult. And I resolved at the end, I thought, when I started writing, then after, it was really painful to recall. And all these years I had buried deep so that I could, I could then have my education non-disturbed. And, and then as, as the children uh, getting older, then I realized that they should know the full picture of it. Then I decided then I need to learn how to write and I also need to write it through the eyes of a young boy Um, and so that the reader would be able to experience firsthand what the young boy is going through and over time the young boy would mature up would get, um, uh, would then open his eye up and understand. And by the time he becomes a teenager, he realized that there are a lot more important things ahead, apart from survival. Must have been interesting writing from (coughs) a boy's perspective with a man's life experience. How do you think that shaped the voice? Now, it's... It's a very good question, but when I write, I tend to just switch off my manhood, (laughs) man life, and then go back to my childhood. And despite all these difficulties, and there are some really bright spots, like a a gang of little friends, we did a lot of things that the modern children would dream of. We we swim in the river and we save each other's lives we 
go and steal food from the communes, vegetable garden and orchards and fish ponds to keep alive. So it is, it is exciting in that sense. But then, of course, when you get home, you realize that, you know, it's tough because your parents are unemployed and um, worry about where the next meal would come from and so on. I imagine that hardship would, would bond you with those people who went through those same experiences. Well, it, um, you know, children are resilient. Mm. That, okay, it was so tough going to bed with an empty stomach or hungry, feeling terribly hungry. The next day you got up early because you can't sleep further. And then you rationalize then you look at the world waking up and the stars going away and the sun start to come out at the horizon. You know a new day is ahead. You know there's perhaps a better time ahead. So you hang in there. Yes. No, it's a lovely perspective, it really is. And I can't imagine you know, those experiences. My grandparents were um, Dutch Indonesian and they grew up in Indonesia. How about that? Right. Yes. So, wow. Um, you know, and I never found out their stories because they never wanted to speak about them. So it's such a privilege to, to speak to someone who is willing to talk it's, about It's very painful. Yeah. My, a lot of my contemporaries, they just do not want to go yeah. back. Yeah. It is too painful for them and they don't want to burden their children. And so I thought about if I present it in such a way and don't just capture all the hardships but also also um, write about the fun things we used to do and uh, you kind of survive together yeah. with your friends and yeah. Yeah, no, it is a privilege to hear your story because I never got to hear my grandparents' stories. So it's nice Thank you. to hear that, you know, you were... I guess it takes courage, you know, as well to go through that experience again in some ways. Yes, yes, it, it is... Uh, it was hard, but I was determined. I, I really need to... I really need to have it presented. Mm. Um, so I I started taking writing courses and learned how to write to start <laughs> from ABC. Yes, yes, you do, yes. Well, Davika Brendan, I read, author and editor, states that reading your memoir was a healing experience. So even though it was difficult for you, it was healing for a reader. Was it healing for you as well in some ways? Well, it, it absolutely is, you know, Danny, and I'm, I'm glad you raised that. Uh, Davika, she has got an amazing insight into the story. Um, perhaps it's his Eastern culture mm-hmm. brought up lady. Uh, I wrote it and I wrote with a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. I don't feel angry against the district head who was such a bastard towards my family and keep close watch uh, at the family and any opportunity he would give my father or my mother a hard time. Mm-hmm. And um, when my father eventually made his way out of China, he told my mother, you would never be able to leave China whatsoever. That's it. So that was that was that tough, and and she cop a lot. Yeah, cop a lot. Um, yes, it's healing. It's a kind of a healing purpose. Uh, yes, a process, and like a like a really belated debriefing. But then perhaps debriefing would need the right time to be. You know, a person needs the right time 
to debrief it themselves. You can't just debrief straight away and expect it to be all right, yeah. So it was challenging to write, but healing to write. Were there some parts that you didn't want to reveal about yourself that you thought, no, I can't reveal that? You don't have to reveal it here, but I'm wondering were there some <laughs> things that you just had to keep to yourself? Well, um, I did consider about that. And should I put in the parts where we stole food from the commune? Then I, later on I decided, no, I should put it down because, you know, not that I wanted to steal. i never been stealing. And that's all about, you know, you try to stay alive, survive, survive yeah. yes. And, um, and then after I, I presented it and wrote it down, and I was quite happy about it. <laughs> the fact that, yes, you know, the human spirit is there, you can't bend it. You cannot ban it because for survival, you you know you do everything you can. Yeah. Yes, not just survival, I suppose, exist existence. Mm-hmm. So what's next? Are you going to write anything else, or is it? Not, surely that's well, not everything you have inside you. <laughs> I um, yes, I have embarked on the second book, and and the first twenty four tw- first twenty thousand words won me a writing fellowship. Uh, for um, 2021. Wow. So in two weeks' time, I'll be going up to Varuna oh, in I the Blue Mountains. You love it? Oh, that is the dream. Yes, yes. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I got two weeks there wow. and to continue on the 20,000 words. Wow. That was really fortunate. Yeah. Hmm. Memoir or fiction? Well, I, this time I'm a little bit ambitious. <laughs> I want to fictionalize uh, real stories. Yeah, great. Come across as I was growing up and how I observe also through writing this I have such a much deeper understanding of women and I started that 18 months ago and and then um, women were so undervalued mm-hmm. in the Pearl River Delta area and they suffer a lot I think without them there won't be any human race <laughs> yes <laughs> So I, I like to dedicate that book to to yeah, to the women. Love that. That's really, beautiful. one day, one day it is gets published. Yes. <laughs> well, I look forward to it and really enjoy your time at Varuna. That sounds amazing. Now yeah. I know you wrote your memoir for a particular purpose, but now you're going on to your second novel. And I always ask authors that I interview, why do you write? Is there another reason that compels you to write? Oh, oh, <laughs> well, I always if people ask me that question. I always say, apart from my my wife and my family, I love them dearly. Then my really my first love is medicine. And I spent all, a great part of my life in medicine, caring for people, looking after people. And secret in, in secret terms, then the writing is my mistress. Oh. I, so, I mean, <laughs> so that's why I write. I write and every morning I write, yes. Or your soulmate might be a soulmate. Yeah, yes. I thought, you know, midlife crisis instead of having a mistress, I have a mistress. My writing, yes. But one that then creates beautiful things for the world. Yes. Great well, thing. hopefully, hopefully, yes. Thank you so much, Andrew. That was just such a pleasure and honour, honestly, and privilege to speak to you about that book. And it brings me back to all the memories that I know, the glimpses of things I learned about my grandparents. And I, you know, commend you for being so brave because I, I would really have liked to have heard their stories too. So I will 
have to do with yours. So thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Danny. You, this is amazing. <laughs>